So did the numbers walk through it? Seemed okay. And at the end of the day, I did all my math check marks and I went ahead and, and bought the building. The building pretty quickly after buying it realized that nothing on the data sheet on my spreadsheet seemed to be working. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. Today's episode is sponsored by the Women Building Wealth Membership Group, the complete proven step-by-step -step course to guide women from novice to confident investor. To learn more, go to womenbuildingwealth.net. My name is Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Investment Research, and I'm here with featured guest, Buck Joffrey. Buck, are you ready to rock? Yes, I am. Oh, yeah. Let me tell the audience about you. Buck is a physician turned entrepreneur and professional investor. He is also host of Wealth Formula Podcast and author of an international best-selling book focusing on financial education for high-paid professional. Buck, take a minute and fill in any further tidbits about your life. Yeah, that's pretty much uh, it. I'm uh, a guy who f uh, finished surgical training back in 2008, 2009, right at a time that uh, the economy was looking pretty bad, but I didn't know any better because I didn't have any money. Just finishing training, but after you know a year or two of of a foray into entrepreneurship, having my own practice and and doing a few other things, I, I started to get a, a little bit of money to start invest, and my focus became real estate for a variety of reasons, including my family's history, uh, my father, and also being inspired by a Robert Kiyosaki book like a lot of people in real estate. So, so that was, uh, that was the beginning. And, and shortly thereafter, uh, started a podcast and, and ultimately, you know, started a, an equity group and now have a large investor group and, and we own uh, lots of multifamily property across the country. It's an interesting transition, you know, I mean, when you think about a surgeon or a physician, you know, you think about a very different skill set or a very different interest. And yet, Many physicians, it seems like, are applying those skills that they've learned into the space of investing. I'm just curious, like, where did that, you know, how does that crossover work? I don't know that it's many. I would say that most of them don't care at all or don't, don't look at it at all. I think that's one of my primary reasons for wanting to do the podcast was that, you know, I think there are some voices out there. You know, most of them are very much in sort of more of a traditional investment space. And, you know, I, I think that one of the purposes that I have is to, to try to get people interested in, in things other than, you know, the usual, the usual approach to investing. And, and especially for physicians, you don't see that very often in the alternative investment space. So. Got it. Yeah. I'm reminded of a very busy entrepreneurial friend of mine that did some investments, but after many years, he pulled, opened the drawer at the bottom. He said, if I could have had time to manage this, I probably would have made some money out of it. But <laughs> I didn't have time. I bought things. They went down. They're sitting, you know. So I can imagine that also physicians are absolutely squeezed for time. Well, I suppose that's it. They're squeezed for time, but they're also, you know, like other highly focused professionals, probably, you know, you could probably say the same thing for lawyers. You could probably say the same thing for 
even managers, even people who have MBAs, they don't necessarily know how to invest, right? So they are highly focused. They're very smart, but they are also very much focused at, at what they do on a day-to-day basis and don't really think about, you know, what else is going on in the world in terms of their personal finances. Now, you're talking about entrepreneurs. I think that's a great example because I think even if you look at, you know, some of the best entrepreneurs I know, they still don't think much about investing. So they make, a, you know, they, they do some really cool stuff and make a lot of money. And then when it comes to investing, they pretty much, you know, turn into their grandmas. So. Yeah. One last thing I'd say on this topic is that it's interesting because what I've generally seen is that entrepreneurs tend to have a lot of confidence, successful entrepreneurs. They've done a great job in what their sphere of influence is and they feel like, you know, hey, if we put the resources to it, we can make this happen. And they take that confidence into the stock market or into investing and what they find is that, whoa, there's a level of complexity and, you know, other factors that really confidence does not necessarily help you in the space of investing. And then in in some cases, I've seen where entrepreneurs have cashed out and then they've lost a huge amount of the money that they actually made by then thinking, I'm going to take my money and parlay it into something massive through the stock market. And then they're getting all kinds of, you know, advice and whatever. And then next thing you know, thinking, oh my God, do I have to start another business to, to make my wealth? Right. So yes, there's lots of challenges. Well, now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. Well, you know, I, I got inspired to go the real estate route from reading a Robert Kiyosaki book called Cashflow Quadrant. And I kind of got addicted to the idea of cash flow and multifamily real estate and all these things. So I went on to read another book by a, by a fellow by the name of Ken McElroy, who's a Robert Kiyosaki, they call him Rich Dad Advisors in real estate. Ken is a very well-known real estate, very well-known real estate entrepreneur based in Arizona. And so I read his book and, and it's kind of funny when I look because I'm now I'm friends with Ken, but back then I was just, you know, looking at learning everything I could. And I read Ken's book and it was called ABCs of Real Estate. And then he had another book called, you know, something like ABC's uh, Advanced Real Estate Investing or something like that. So everything Ken said in those books about multifamily real estate and investing and the examples that he used was, was dead on, right? And the message that I took away from it was, hey, at the end of the day, this whole thing, uh, you know, multifamily investing, et cetera, this is just math and I'm good at math. Right. So that was my reason for thinking I could go out and just do it on my own without a lot more help. And so I did what a lot of people do uh, at that point, thinking that they know a lot. And you mentioned uh, entrepreneurs tend to have overconfidence. I had a little overconfidence. I went and started looking for properties and I found one on a site called LoopNet, which later on I you know, learned that most people would call it the place where real estate deals go to die. But anyway, I found a deal there and I did the math. I'm like, wow, this is a great opportunity. And I lived in the Chicago area at the time. This was in southern part of Chicago, but it it seemed like it was a suburb. It wasn't where there was active gunfire, at least. And so I went down there with my real estate broker or agent or whatever he was. The funny thing is that the guy I brought with me had no experience in multifamily real estate either. He was a guy I just bought like a luxury home in the north shore of Chicago with. 
So did the numbers walk through it? Seemed okay. And at the end of the day, I did all my math check marks and I went ahead and, and bought the building. The building pretty quickly, pretty quickly after buying it, realized that nothing on the data sheet, on my spreadsheet, seemed to be working. It seemed like all of a sudden, the moment that I bought the property, everybody stopped paying rent. And it also seemed that there was a bunch of people, you know, who were uh, creating more problems than I thought it was based on the expenses and things like that that I was seeing before. As it turned out, the guy I bought it from was a landlord in the area. He had multiple buildings in the area. And it was pretty clear that what he was doing is what you call is basically faking tenants. Um, he was showing that building to be performing much better than it was by, you know, having rents that were coming from other buildings go to that building and therefore it just looked like things were going better. He was putting people, when I walked through the building, it was, there was people who clearly lived there, but as it turns out, those people were told they could live there for free <laughs> for a period of time. Beautiful. Bottom line is, oh goodness. <laughs> yeah. So the bottom line is the whole thing was a big mess and I ended up, you know, selling the building probably a year or two later for you know, several hundred thousand dollar loss uh, for me at the time was, you know, it was a big loss. So selling it back to the guy. No, 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 no. I, well, it might've been, I don't, yeah. I don't even know. I don't know who I sold it to, but I sold it back. I sold it to somebody at a big loss just so I could get out of the pain. Hmm. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that went wrong with that property. And ultimately, you know, just realizing you buy, buy something that you think that it, you know, it, it is a, it's one thing and then realizing it's another after you buy it. I mean, it's, it's a tough way to learn, but that was like the first acquisition I actually made in, in, in real estate. Believe it or not, the only one that I ever lost money in, but maybe it was a good lesson. <laughs> Sometimes it's a good way to start. I'm yeah. curious about your progression of the feelings that you had, like the excitement of going into it, the questioning, the doubt. And then the, the moment that you think, I got to get out of this, you know, the, I don't know, I, I wouldn't say necessarily desperation, but the feeling like, okay, I've got to exit. How did that feel? How did that go with the feelings? Well, yeah, I mean, I was excited at first. You know, I thought, you know, I can do this. This is pretty easy. And, you know, the property manager at, at the time was, uh, you know, the property manager was basically the owner. You know, it was a subsidiary of the owner. And... I didn't know that when I hired them, but I figured they were doing a good job based on the numbers. So I just keep them around. And when things were started going south, my first response was, well, I have to fire the property manager, get a new property manager in there. So I did that. I got another property manager in there thinking, uh, you know, this is going to work now. And that guy couldn't get it done either. And then I was like, okay, now I got a serious problem because it's not about the property manager. I think, I've been duped because the second property manager started telling me stories about people in there who told, were told that they were there to live for free. They were told by the previous landlord. So at that point, you know, I was paying to keep the property on a month to month basis. That's generally not what you like to do in real estate. And so I was really aggravated and, you know, I called a bunch of places, called a bunch of, you know, 
managers and try to see if anybody else could turn this thing around. And at the end of the day, just came to a realization that I just made a really big mistake. Okay. And I can sit here and chase this and, you know, spend money every month and be miserable and have this time focused on this, or I can just cut my losses, sell it to somebody, take a loss and move on. And so I did the latter, obviously. And when I did that, I had just a tremendous sense of relief. And even though this was, you know, nine, 10 years ago, and, you know, it was a, it was a decent chunk of cash that I lost, especially for at that time, because I was just starting out. I never looked back and regretted that decision at all. So, yep, yep. Great. So what lessons did you learn? Well, there's a lot of lessons, um, you know, from the real estate side itself, there was a lot, there was so many lessons I couldn't possibly get through it. But I mean, ultimately, some of the big ones for people who are interested in real estate have to do with, first of all, that real estate is not just about the numbers. The real estate is about operations, right? Real estate is really about, you know, finding an asset. And the reason why sometimes you get much higher returns on them is that you have to also have some experience and, and ability, or at least know people who do to manage that property and to get the most out of it, right? So it's not, it's not like buying a stock and hoping that it goes up or, you know, that kind of thing, generally speaking. It's, it's, it's more than that. The second part is, you know, I think for people who are actually buying real estate as a corollary to the first is that what can you do if you want to buy real estate on your own? Well, I think you focus, uh, you know, you focus first on the team, right? You try to put together a team first, maybe a property manager, maybe a, a broker who's actually familiar with real estate, you know, a partner who's got some experience in real estate and you focus, you get all those things together and then the asset is the last thing. It's not the other way around. So from, for people who are actually looking to buy and, you know, actually operate real estate, that was the, the next thing. And then the last thing, is that over time, while this was happening, I started to realize that, you know, my friends who were doing real estate really well were, again, doing it, you know, they were, there was a couple different types, right? There was some who were full-time real estate and that's all they did, which was great. And then there was others who were investing as passive investors, as limited partners with operators. And I realized that those people were doing even better than me and they were doing zero work. So bottom line is, you know, I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned there, but those are just a few. Great. So I think it's interesting about the idea that, you know, real estate investing is about the operation, not just the numbers. And that is something that, well, let's just say the number one most common mistake that we see in the show is fail to do the research. And right. re research is, as you've just perfectly illustrated, research is beyond the numbers. Just yesterday, I was in a meeting with a new friend that I've met from Myanmar talking about the numbers that are being announced by the government. And he said, it's made up, right. you know, like, and, and he said, I see people rely on these numbers and they're not on the ground seeing, you know, for instance, he was talking about coffee output. You know, what is the coffee plantations output? Well, the government takes what's the amount of space for plantations and then what would be the average output of each of those, you know, acres or whatever it would be. And then they multiply that and they say, that's the output. <laughs> when in fact, right. half of that space may not even be utilized and the government's not going out. They don't like want to necessarily promote that. So the, yeah. the lesson from this that I take away is the idea that 
when you're doing research, you've got to move beyond the numbers. You've got to go investigate, you know, and see and try to check and, you know, test whether those numbers are real. When you're really green too, that you, you have to know what you're looking for as well. You could spend all the time in the world spinning your wheels, but if you don't, if you have no idea what you're doing in many respects, I mean, you know, you, you, you know, I, I always say that the only way you can learn is through mistakes, but the thing is that they don't have to be your mistakes, right? So, so you, if you can align yourself actually with somebody who knows what they're doing, and that's probably what I could have done in that situation, right? Mm. Is really just get involved with something, somebody who knows more than me, which is ultimately what I ended up doing, right? And, and uh, learned a lot from that. But, you know, the mistakes are going to happen for sure, or you're going to learn from somebody else's mistakes. Those are your options. <laughs> And there are some people that do not learn from mistakes, you know, but I think right. what, what makes, you know, you valuable, you know, myself and other people valuable on the show is that it's clear that they've taken the time to think through the mistakes that they've made. You know, you'd be surprised the number of people that say, no, I don't want to come on the show is very high because people don't want to talk about it. But just the fact that you're willing to, to walk through it. And I, I would highlight one other thing that I take away, which is you said team first, asset second. and if I also kind of replace the word asset with what you've described real estate investing is more of a business, it's more of an operation, then I would say team first, business second, or investment second. That can be generally applied anywhere. And I think that's, it's one of the things that came from the book I read many years ago, Good to Great, where he talked about getting the right people on the bus. And they will actually, the right people will shape the strategy of how you invest, where you invest, how you manage. Right. So it's a great reminder to say, you know, get the team first, then make your investment as the second right. step. Beautiful, beautiful. The other, my last takeaway that I would say is the, the idea of cutting losses. You know, there's a lot of people, you know, I, I have many investors that have come to me over the years. If, if you're a psychiatrist or something like that, and you go to a party, people go, you know, they'll tell you, you know, their history of their family or whatever's, you know, mental or whatever other issues they face. But if you're a financial analyst in the stock market, like myself, people tell me about the stocks that they lost on. And so they come and tell me, you know, I bought this stock at a hundred and it went down to 40 and I'm like, well, what did you do? You know? And they say, Oh, I'm waiting for it to go back to a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, well, okay, just in your own market, there's probably a hundred stocks that you could choose from that are large, liquid, you know, you could buy them. Do you think this stock is the one out of that 100 or so that's going to go up the most in the next, I don't know, three years or something? And they said, absolutely not. Right. <laughs> okay. So why not cut your losses and say, put your money into something else that you have more hope in? And uh, what you find is there's so much emotional baggage with cutting loss. So I think you've given a a great example of how important it is to realize that, look, this is going to drain my money, but more importantly, my spirit and my time. And now I'm getting out and I'm moving on and I'm going to use it as a learning, you know, as a lesson. And I think that's a big takeaway from me. And I think the listeners can take away from it. Yeah. I think there, you know, if you think about the mistake, the initial mistake of, you know, costing me a certain amount, it also ended up sort of propelling me into everything else I did. You know, and ultimately, um, you know, the, a lot of those initial lessons were huge for me. 
And they weren't even necessarily just about property managers. They weren't necessarily about identifying a, a certain type of asset or whatever, but you know, even just thinking about the scale of an asset, right? I mean, uh, this was not a huge apartment building, but you know, if you have an opportunity to be involved in larger assets, there's a lot of security in larger assets that you don't find in smaller ones. So there, there's a million different things you learn from these things that are even hard to put down on paper, but, but yeah, losses is definitely there. So based on what you learned from this story and what you've continued to learn over the years, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? Thinking of that physician or that other professional that's pretty excited about what they've done. They've run the numbers. They're you know, really excited. They see this opportunity. They're about to do it. What one piece of advice would you give them? Well, I think, let me just stick to real estate, I guess, because that's what I know. But I think for you know, for my group, what I tell people is if you've got a full-time job and you're really focused on, you know, if you're focused on being a surgeon or being a dentist or whatever you are, you know, the last thing I think you want to do if you get involved with something like real estate is give yourself a new job. And maybe that's the right thing for some people to go out there and buy their own buildings and manage them, et cetera. But most people who get involved with real estate like what real estate does for them rather than, you know, necessarily being a landlord. In other words, there's, as you know, there's substantial tax benefits, there's substantial gains to be had in the right hands uh, that are, that are pretty unparalleled. So if that's what you're looking at, think about potentially investing as a limited partner with, you know, people or a group that, that knows what they're doing and you'll get the probably in most cases, you're going to get a much better outcome and you're not going to give yourself another job. So that's what I would tell people in terms of real estate. That's generally my advice. That's great advice. And I think also I would just add to, you know, it's not like the rest of your life you're going to do that, but do that in the beginning and learn. And, you know, don't put everything at risk right from the beginning. And then later you may decide to do, you know, you may, you may have learned from that and do something else. So I think it's great advice. I just wanted to circle back. You mentioned about Ken and the book ABCs of Real Estate Investing. Was it that when you read it, you were reading it and from your own frame of mind, looking for the numbers angle? Or was it really saying, you know, hey, real estate's a lot about the numbers? Well, I think, listen, I think it was probably framed in my, you know, the way I was thinking about it. I was focusing on the numbers part. I don't think that Ken said it was easy by any means. In fact, you know, the the buildings that he was talking about turning around were failed buildings that basically people brought to him. And he talked about, you know, the math that went into turning them around and stuff. But I think I focused just on the math and thinking because I was good at math, I could, you know, make this turn around and just identify something that would work. So, so no, I mean, um, yeah, definitely you take, you generally will focus on the thing that you want to take away from something. So. That's a good reminder. Well, last question. What's your number one goal for the next 12 months? You know, I'm just generally happy with what we're doing. We're going to continue to, uh, you know, right now have about $300 million worth of assets under management for our investor group. And, and our goal is just to continue to, you know, get people as good a returns as we can. We've got, you know, some dispositions coming up. We've got some refis coming up. And just to maximize investor returns, it's really all I'm interested in at this point. Fantastic. Well, we'll leave links in the show notes. So listeners, if you want to learn more about what Buck's doing, you know, go to the show notes. 
All right, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. To find more stories like this, previous episodes, and resources to help you reduce your risk, visit myworstinvestmentever.com. As we end, Buck, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. I know it's painful talking about our losers, but our listeners are learning to win as a result. Do you have any parting words for the audience? No, I would just say again, remember, you learn from mistakes, but they don't have to be your mistakes. So, you know, find someone to to borrow those mistakes from. And that's why we're here. Well, (laughs) that's a wrap on another great story to help you create, grow, and protect your wealth. Fellow risk takers, I'll see you on the upside.